0: Perception, perception is reality, reality, perception is reality, reality, some talk shows think all of their opinions are right, this one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, or well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is
1: this guy for real?
0: Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This is, is, is perception is reality, and this is Christopher
2: H. Bilberry. You think you're a star? I don't believe that's exactly correct.
3: Kiss my ass.
2: <laughs> well, excuse me. I'm just trying to do a podcast here.
3: Podcast is like nothing. It's not. It's not even worth like listening
2: to. I'm sure there's a lot that agree with you. You think you're a star. Door. door You said that already. Kiss my ass. Now you're just being rude. Go away. But you're on my podcast. Go away.
3: Kiss my ass. This podcast is mediocre and not super worth
2: to. You think you're
3: a star? door 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 star. Kiss my ass. Go away. Totally
2: unprofessional. Well, now, <laughs> there's something we can all agree on. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Perception is reality. I am your host, Christopher H. bilbury and it's good to be with you. This is episode 72 I'm calling Mediocre. Thank you for giving me a little bit of your time, 45, 50 minutes or so. We'll get you out of here as quickly as possible. Of course, you're listening on whichever podcast hosting site that you choose or the home link of perception.fireside.fe please remember to share this episode and the podcast as a whole with all of your friends, family, co-workers, neighbors, and anyone else by word of mouth or social media. As always, we can be found on social media at facebook.com backslash 318 or you can call the show at 765-546-9796 or email us at KHbilbury at gmail.com. So it's the day, today's the day. Well, it depends on when you're listening to this, but the podcast is being recorded on Tuesday, january twenty first, twenty twenty. Which is the day. It's the first day of the presidential impeachment. An impeachment that will last forever. Forever. No, I mean like, but seriously though, I don't even really know what that means. But whatever it does mean, you can hear Aunt Nancy say it here in cut number one.
3: On December 18th, the House of Representatives impeached the President of the United States. An impeachment... ...that will last
2: forever. <laughs> uh, come on, Aunt Nancy, what does that mean? What does it mean? I don't know, I've been trying to wrap my head around what exactly that meant since I heard her say it. I mean, exactly what would be an impeachment that didn't last forever. Uh, it's It all goes in the history books. I'm sure we'll all be talking about the fact that the House impeached Trump, which basically means nothing... We'll all be talking about that well into his second term, which he's getting ready to win in November of this year, 2020. But they're not going to remove him even at the end of this farce, this trial that's getting ready to take place in the Senate. I wish we could all come to the understanding that it's just not going to happen. And I don't know if the other side's starting to realize that yet or not. I just really don't know. And the Democrats are going to say, well, the Republicans aren't being fair, and they're they're not being impartial, and they're acting just with politics in mind. But the, a sane person has to say, that's what you guys just did in the House for all of November and all of December. So come back down to reality, let's get this trial done and over with, let's get on with this year, let's get on back to the Congress, the Senate and the House of Representatives, doing what they're really supposed to be doing, and then let's let the President do what he's supposed to be doing, and then we can let the election happen in November and let the American people decide if they want to remove Trump from office or if they're going to give him another four more years. And that's all it's got to be. Listen, let's not debate whether I think he's a good president or you think he's a bad president or someone else thinks somebody else should be president altogether. Why don't we do this? Why don't we have the election and then let the chips fall where they may? And if the people who don't like Trump get the vote out, then their candidate will be in the Oval Office, and if they don't get the vote out, and the Republicans get the vote out, then Trump will be re-elected. And then at that point, people can debate policy. They can talk about his actions and debate whether it would be better to have a conservative or a liberal in the office, and they can talk about things that they don't like, or things that they support. But fighting about who this person is, and hating the man just for being the man and hating him just because he's Trump and going through all this hoopla is going to be crazy because nothing has worked this last four years and I'm telling you right now I'm going to go ahead and say it right today in episode 72 being recorded on Tuesday, January 21st, 2020 President Trump will be reelected to the office of president for his second and final term at the end of this year. And that's just the way it's going to be. I'm not saying I like everything he does. I'm not saying I, I'm out there waving the banner, agreeing with everything he does, because I don't. But what I am saying is the Democrats currently do not have anybody on the stage or off in the shadows somewhere that can defeat Trump. That's just what it is. I'm sorry, but that's just how it is. Okay, and since we all, I'm sure, understand and (laughs) agree with what I was just saying there, let's go ahead and move into some discussion, reference what both sides of this impeachment trial have been doing to get ready for and prepare for The trial that kicks off today. On Monday, January 20th, we learned of a 110-page memo that Trump's attorneys sent to the Senate for their consideration. And I read a good majority of that 110-page document and found some interesting quotes. The following are some of my favorites. This impeachment is an affront to the Constitution. Also... All of this is a dangerous perversion of the Constitution that the Senate should swiftly and roundly condemn. But the quote that really spoke to me was the following. The Democrats attempted to corrupt the extraordinary powers of impeachment for use as a political tool to overturn the results of the 2016 election and to interfere in the 2020 election. But not to be outdone, the Democrats also filed their own brief, and in that brief, it states that the evidence against Trump is overwhelming and proves that he in fact used his official power to pressure Ukraine, which of course is what this entire impeachment trial has been built upon. And again, just quickly for those that might not know or might not have listened to the last episode, the Democrats are saying that Trump abused his power by pressuring Ukraine to announce investigations into former Vice President Joe Biden and his son, while also withholding almost $400 million in aid, and that the the president obstructed Congress by refusing to release documents related to his action. The Democrats' brief contained the following quotes of interest. This is the framers' worst nightmare, and President Trump poses a danger to to our democratic process. All of which they are going to try and prove over the next only God knows how many days. Now, before we go much further, it's probably a good idea to take a look at who some of the key players are in this impeachment. Let's first start with the president's legal defense team. Heading that team up is Pat Cipollone, who is the White House counsel, and he has history with Trump. He was an advisor back during the 2016 debates during the campaign. He also advised Trump during special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia investigation. Cipollone became White House counsel in December of 2018 and now has a more central role during this impeachment trial. He's been referred to as the quarterback for Trump's legal strategy. Next up, we have Jay Scullo, who's one of Trump's personal attorneys. He's also been with Trump through the thick of it. Again, representing Trump during the special counsel investigation. He's most recently defended Trump from congressional subpoenas and from federal prosecutors in New York who've been trying to request the president's financial records. He is also someone who is used to high-pressure trials, having argued before the Supreme Court 12 times. Next up on the roster, we have Ken Starr, who is a former independent counsel, and although he's not defended Trump in the past, he is a pretty high-profile attorney, most known for being the attorney that prosecuted President Bill Clinton during his 1999 impeachment trial. Then we come to well-known Harvard Law Professor Alan Dershowitz. He has stated that he voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016, and he's expressed support for former Vice President Joe Biden in 2020. However, since President Trump was elected, Dershowitz has been one of the most prominent legal voices defending the President in other issues that have came forward. Dershowitz plans to argue that the two articles of impeachment against Trump, the abuse of power and obstruction of Congress, do not meet the constitutional standard of impeachment. We then come to Robert Ray, former independent counsel who led the counsel's office towards the end of the investigation into Clinton, issuing the final reports alleging the president's wrongdoing and striking a deal with Clinton to avoid the president being potentially indicted on a charge of perjury after he left office. After Ray, we come to Pam Bondi, the former Florida Attorney General, who out of all of Trump's attorneys, probably has the most experience in politics having been a political figure herself. Rounding out the President's legal defense team is Pat Philbin, Deputy Counsel to the President. He is also Pat Cipollone's right-hand man, and is the most senior deputy in the White House legal office. Philbin has had had plenty of experience working with presidents and political figures in sticky situations. He served as Associate Deputy Attorney General under President George W. Bush, where he helped the Justice Department decide that a domestic spying program in the wake of 9-11 was illegal. Now, jumping to the other side, the quote-unquote prosecution, you have the seven managers named by Nancy Pelosi from the House of Representatives, last week. I went through them during episode 71, but I'll name them again really quickly just to have them here. You have Democrat Representative Adam Schiff, Democrat Representative Jared Nadler, Democrat Representative Hakeem Jeffries, Democrat Representative Zoe Lofgren, Democrat Representative Sylvia Garcia, Democrat Representative Val Demings, and Democrat Representative Jason Crew. Those seven Democrat... House of Representatives members will present the case against the president for impeachment. And of course, there are several other key people who will be important throughout this impeachment trial and who you'll need to know. But before we continue naming them, I figured it might be important to go over yet again why we're actually all here talking about this, and why the president is being impeached. What are the articles of impeachment against him? So in a nutshell, the House resolution impeaching Donald Trump, President of the United States, for high crimes and misdemeanors and that the following articles of impeachment be exhibited to the United States Senate. The articles of impeachment exhibited by the House of Representatives of the United States of America in the name of itself and of the people of the United States of America. Article 1. Abuse of Power President Donald J. Trump is in violation of his constitutional oath to faithfully execute the office of President of the United United States. Donald J. Trump has abused the power of the presidency and solicited the interference of a foreign government Ukraine in the 2020 United States presidential election. He did so through a scheme or course of conduct that included soliciting the government of Ukraine to publicly announce investigations that would benefit his re-election harm the election prospects of a political opponent and influence the 2020 United States presidential election to his advantage. President Trump also sought to pressure the government of the Ukraine to take these steps by conditioning official United States government acts of significant value to Ukraine on its public announcement of the investigations. President Trump engaged in this scheme or course of conduct for corrupt purposes in pursuit of personal political benefit. In doing so, President Trump used the powers of the presidency in a manner that compromised the national security of the United States and undermined the integrity of the United States' democratic process. He thus ignored and injured the interest of the nation. Article 2, Obstruction of Congress, states, The Constitution provides that the House of Representatives shall have the sole power of impeachment, and that the President shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, Bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Donald J. Trump has directed the unprecedented, categorical, and indiscriminate defiance of subpoenas issued by the House of Representatives pursuant to its sole power of impeachment. President Trump has abused the powers of the presidency in a manner offensive to and subversive of the Constitution in that the House of Representatives has engaged in an impeachment inquiry focused on President Trump's corrupt solicitation of the government of Ukraine to interfere in the United States' 2020 presidential election. As part of this impeachment inquiry, the committee undertaking the investigation served subpoenas seeking documents and testimony deemed vital to to the inquiry from various executive branch agencies and offices, and current and former officials. President Trump abused the power of his high office through the following means. Directing the White House to defy a lawful subpoena by withholding the production of documents sought therein by the committees. Directing other executive branch agencies and offices to defy lawful subpoenas and withhold the production of documents and records from the committees directing current and former executive branch officials not to cooperate with the committees. These actions were consistent with President Trump's previous efforts to undermine United States government investigations into foreign interference in United States elections. Through these actions, President Trump sought to arrogate himself The right to determine the propriety, scope, and nature of an impeachment inquiry into his own conduct, as well as the unilateral prerogative to deny any and all information to the House of Representatives in the exercise of its sole power of impeachment. In the history of the Republic, no president has ever ordered the complete defiance of an impeachment inquiry or sought to obstruct and impede so comprehensively the ability of the House of Representatives to investigate high crimes and misdemeanors. This abuse of power serves to cover up the president's own repeated misconduct, and to seize and control the power of impeachment, and thus to nullify a vital constitutional safeguard vested solely in the House of Representatives. In all of this, President Trump has acted in a manner contrary to his trust as president and subversive of the constitutional government to the great prejudice of the cause of law and justice, and to manifest injury of the people of the United States. Wherefore, President Trump, by such conduct, has demonstrated that he will remain a threat to the Constitution if allowed to remain in office, and has acted in a manner grossly incompatible with self-governance and the rule of law. President Trump thus warrants impeachment and trial, removal from office, and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States." So there you go, the two articles of impeachment for Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America. But, what does all of that mean? Why are we here? What are we doing? Well, we're going to discuss that and a whole lot more on the other side of this quick break. You're listening to Perception Is Reality, Episode 72. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey, and we'll be right back.
3: Hey, hon. What you
2: doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo. Do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something.
3: Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.
0: This is is, is, Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilberry.
3: House of Representatives impeach the president of the United States, an impeachment that will last forever.
0: It doesn't really feel like we're being impeached.
1: Half of American presidents have been accused by the political enemies of abusing their power. The framers didn't want to have that kind of criteria in the Constitution because it weaponizes impeachment for partisan purposes. The abuse of power is at the center of what the framers intended an impeachable offense to be. The mere idea of this would have appalled the founders who were worried about exactly that kind of uh, solicitation of foreign interference in an election for a personal benefit.
3: The country is doing better than ever before. So this is a very serious matter, and we take it to heart in a really solemn way, in a very solemn way. It's about the Constitution. It's about the Republic, if we can keep it.
1: We've always felt a certain uh, urgency about this uh, impeachment, given that the president was trying to get foreign help in cheating in the next election.
3: We did nothing wrong. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. That the president is not above the law. He will be held accountable. He has been held accountable. He has been impeached. He has been impeached forever. They can never erase that.
2: I don't know about you, but I'm having a good time. It's crazy. <laughs> Okay, so welcome back everyone to the 72nd episode of Perception Is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilberry. This episode is called Mediocre, and it is what it is. It's called Mediocre because eh, maybe the podcast is mediocre. It's called Mediocre because maybe what we're getting from our elected officials on the Local, state, and national levels, maybe that's mediocre. Maybe just us, as humans, maybe we're mediocre. (laughs) I guess the title could fit to whatever you want it to fit to. So, alright folks, you just heard a little bit of a montage there. A couple of our clips together of a whole lot of crazy people talking there. And everyone just kind of bloviating on... Hoping that somebody out there in the ether, out there, you all, me, us, we, will care what they have to say. So, we are deep inside the first day of impeachment. It's day number one for the impeachment trial of President Donald J. Trump. They've more or less been in session for six or six and a half hours at this point and it's basically just been housekeeping issues they've been taking care of, and then arguing back and forth on different amendments that the Democrats, through Chuck Schumer, have been wanting to add to the resolution of the rules of how they're going to conduct the impeachment trial. The Democrats are wanting to bring witnesses in, and bring all sorts of documents in, and have the President bring the documents to the trial, and the Republicans are saying, nah, we're, we're, not, we're not doing any of this. Basically, you guys ran the House portion of the impeachment ordeal as the farce that you guys did. And we're going to run it the way we're going to run it. And so basically, they're bringing these amendments up. They're going through it. They're doing the debate on it. And then they vote to either pass it or to table it. And, of course, the Republicans have the vote, so they're all being tabled. Okay, and so getting back to what we were discussing before the break, I had ended on going through the two articles of impeachment. Article 1 is abuse of power, and Article 2 is obstruction of Congress. I read through the actual legal terminology for those two articles, But before I get back to going through the key players of the impeachment, it's important to kind of break down what those actual articles are. Like, what happened to cause the Democrats and those in the House of Representatives to push for this? And basically, it all comes back to a phone call from July 25th, 2019. And now, both sides agree that a phone call happened. There were several people on the phone call besides President Trump and President Zelensky from the Ukraine. So, there's no argument that the phone call happened. And there's not even really argument over what was discussed. It's just deciding whether that was legal or illegal for President Trump to do. And what the Democrats are saying that during that 25th of July, 2019 phone call, President Trump asked Zelensky to do a favor for America and or for Trump that the Democrats feel would help President Trump in the election. And so now what the Democrats are alleging, is that on this phone call that other folks were on as well, President Trump asked the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, for a quid pro quo, which I'm sure you've heard, or to do Trump a favor. And what they're saying is that Trump asked Zelensky to announce a couple of investigations. One investigation was into the fact that Russia didn't interfere with the 2016 presidential election and that they were investigating, in fact, that Ukraine had interfered with the election and had helped Hillary Clinton. And number two, that the Ukrainians were investigating former Vice President Joe Biden and his son. And so that's what they're claiming is the abuse of power because it is alleged that Trump was holding back $400 million in aid to the Ukraine, more or less, if this didn't happen. Now, the president and his team is saying, yes, the phone call happened, and yes, we discussed different things, but they are alleging what went on was not illegal. Okay, so article number two is obstruction of Congress, and this article of impeachment is a little bit more ambiguous in my mind because what the two sides are saying about this. The president and his team are saying the president of the United States... Can't obstruct Congress when there's no crime and there's nothing that they are investigating or should be investigating, and the president can do what he's doing, which is stopping all of these. People from the executive branch from testifying and not sending over documents. Meanwhile, the Democrats are stating that President Trump has obstructed Congress by undertaking an unprecedented campaign to prevent the House committees from being able to investigate his misconduct. The Constitution entrusts the House with the sole power of impeachment, and the framers thus ensured what common sense requires, which is that the House, and not the President, determines the existence, the scope, and the procedures of the impeachment investigation into the President's conduct, and that he cannot stop the House from doing such an investigation and to them that means if the house wants to send over subpoenas if the house wants to ask for testimony the house believes under the democrats currently that they have the right to do that and it's the president and his team's argument that no they are able to say we have executive privilege here and you're not going to get these documents and we're not coming to testify Now. In order to build this, in my opinion, you have to have the first article, which is the abuse of power. And there, the Democrats are saying, you know, you've clearly abused your power doing A, B, and C. And the president and his team are saying, no, I'm the commander-in-chief and the chief executive of the United States of America. And as such, I have these powers that... That any other president has had before me and will have after me. And so that's kind of where the argument breaks down. And that's basically why we were here. Now that allows us to get back to the key players of the impeachment trial. And the reason it's important to know that is because when I reference the phone call, now you'll know that I'm referencing the phone call between Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky on July 25th, 2019. And so now getting back to the key players of the impeachment trial, as I said just a moment ago, there were other people on the phone call besides President Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky. And these folks that were on the phone call have been highly discussed during this entire impeachment discussion and may or may not be big key players of this impeachment trial. You will definitely hear their names. So other folks who were on the phone call on July 25th, are as follows Secretary of State Mike Pompeo Senior Advisor to the Chief of Staff Robert Blair National Security Advisor Keith Kellogg Advisor for Europe and Russia Jennifer Williams Deputy National Security Advisor Charles Cooperman Senior Director for European Affairs Timothy Morrison and a top Ukrainian expert Alexander Vindman Other names that you will hear throughout this impeachment trial are former National Security advisor and ambassador john bolton who apparently was leery of the ukraine pressure scheme kurt volker who is a longtime diplomat and a key contact between the ukraine and president trump's camp other names you are likely to hear throughout this impeachment trial are mick mulvaney the acting chief of staff for president trump Fiona Hill, which is an ex-Russia policy expert for the White House, who apparently recorded her objections to the shadowy Ukraine policy. Gordon Sondland, who is a U.S. ambassador to the EU and is a key diplomat. Enmeshed in the Ukrainian affair. Other names you'll hear you're probably more familiar with, such as Republican Senator Mitch McConnell, who is the majority leader of the Senate and who is attempting to run the Senate's trial with dignity and attempting to stop the Democrats from pushing their partisan witch hunt of Trump. You'll also hear the name of the minority leader, Chuck Schumer who's a Democrat and is attempting to give the House Democrats a little bit more leeway. There are folks who have raised concerns from different aspects of this, and they are as follows. George Kent, Michael McKinley, Philip Reeker, William Taylor, Catherine Croft, Christopher Anderson, and on and on and on. It's not exactly the names that you have to pay attention to, and you don't necessarily have to know these people by heart, but it's what's being said, and it's how the Senate plans to vote, which really matters at the end of the day. What's really interesting to me is we keep hearing comparisons between this impeachment trial and the Clinton impeachment trial, and the Republicans are saying, we want to run this exactly like the Clinton impeachment trial. Which is interesting because they were the ones trying to impeach Clinton. So the fact that they're saying they want to run this like that really speaks volumes to me because you would think if they were trying to protect Trump, they wouldn't want the impeachment ran the way they were running it against Clinton because they were trying to impeach Clinton. And in this case, they don't think that Trump should be impeached. So when Mitch McConnell put forward his resolution on how the impeachment trial would be handled, you have Democrats going crazy. You've got Adam Schiff from the House of Representatives, one of the managers, coming out and saying that this impeachment is nothing like the Clinton trial. That McConnell's resolution has kept the de- Democrats from seeing the resolutions until the last hours, leaving questions that the House and the people will never get to see. They're not allowing them to bring witnesses before the Senate. Why didn't you do this stuff in the House? Anything that you wanted to bring forward, why didn't you do that? Now we've been going through a whole day's worth of "...initial speaking in this first day of the impeachment, and we've really got nowhere because the Democrats keep putting forth these amendments that the Republicans will continue to table each and every time." And there's just been so much bloviating back and forth between the Republicans and the Democrats. I'm going to go off script here for a second and not talk about what all I've taken as far as my notes and not look at what we've seen in this impeachment trial. I'm going to talk to you just as a person who says... Listen, I'm not a massive supporter of Donald Trump. I'm not somebody who's dressed in red with a MAGA hat on, going out here going crazy. Yes, I'm okay with him being president. Yes, I'm okay with a lot of stuff he's done. Yes, I'm also angry at a lot of things that he's done. Yes, I wish we had someone better than Trump. But 2016 didn't offer a better candidate than Donald J. Trump. So, you take what you get and you do the best with what you have. Trump has done right, in my opinion, by the Supreme Court. In the next four years, I guarantee you, whoever's president will name at least one, if not two more, Supreme Court judges. And let's face it, I want that to be Donald Trump Over anybody that I'm currently seeing on the Democrat field, including Hillary Clinton, who may or may not run, I believe she's going to. But I don't want Hillary Clinton or Klobuchar or Judge or creepy Uncle Joe Biden naming Supreme Court judges. And look, you might disagree with me, and that's fine. It doesn't make my opinion bad, and it doesn't make your opinion bad. If you want to call me and get on the show, and if you want to argue your point, if you want to argue your case... Come on, give me a call, 765-546-9796. I'll put you on, we'll record it, I'll get you on next episode or the episode after, whenever you choose. We can argue that case. We can argue your point. We can debate it. Have a civil, great discussion as adults. But I can say, here's the easiest way to defeat what I'm saying if you don't like it. And it's simple. If you don't want donald trump naming the next supreme court judges and you don't want donald trump winning the 2020 election then it's pretty damn simple get out and vote for your candidate And make sure that you are screaming your candidates' praises from the rooftop and getting people active, getting people involved, and getting people engaged. It's no different than what I talk about on the local and state level. If you want somebody in office, whether it's your local mayor or your county commissioner or the governor of the state or the president, Of the United States of America, you have to get out and you have to work for it. You have to get active. You have to get engaged. You have to get people following what you're saying. You have to get people understanding. You have to push your candidate. You have to do some work. What I can't get people to understand, folks, is this politics is work. It's not just sit back and see what happens and hopefully what we want wins. Because when you do that, when you do that, that's when the person you don't want Wins and then you want to sit around and bitch about it and scream and yell. And I don't say the whole cliche thing, if you don't get out to vote, you don't have a right to bitch, because not voting is a statement in and of itself. People don't really realize that, but it it is. Not voting is a statement. And sometimes people feel that's the best and only choice. And I understand that. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. I always get a ballot, and I always at least press one vote. Sometimes I leave offices blank, and I completely understand why people do that. But I always get a ballot, and I always press ...offices on that ballot. Some might be empty, but most are not. And so you have to get involved, and it doesn't matter. Again, keep this in your mind. It doesn't matter if you're talking about town board of Saratoga, Indiana, little three-horse town where you miss it if you blink or if you're talking about the President of the United States of America, if you don't get active, and you're not working, and you're not pushing and telling people all of the good things about your candidate, then you are not doing your part, and you really have to watch what goes on, because when your candidate doesn't win, you have to ask yourself, was there something I could have done? Is there more that I could have done? Could I have gotten involved? Could I have gotten active with the campaign? You know, even though it's presidential, you can get active with your candidate's team from your home, from your home state, from your home city, your town, your county, whatever. They have campaign staff in each and every state. All you got to do is reach out. And it's a little bit harder on the national level. I understand that. But what I'm trying to instill in you is the point that you need to have some sense of belonging to to these groups you need to have a sense of pride and importance and you need to understand this is something that I value this is something that I believe in and I want you to buy into it I want you to believe it and I want you to understand how important it is alright so enough about this impeachment, let's get to the local politics. This is the Community Spotlight, where Bill Bree looks directly at a community
3: in need of a bit closer examination. In the words of Tip O'Neill, all politics is
2: local, and we're about to get local.
1: Somebody to insinuate, the commissioners number one didn't do our due diligence, and then they say, more or less, we didn't Listen to the community. Yeah, we listen to the community. But some things that we do up here, people have to understand.
2: We do because we want our name on a building. Oh, wait. Was that not how Delaware County Commissioner James King was going to finish that? Hmm. Well, so here's the deal, folks. What you just heard there in cut number 15 coming back from the quick break was Delaware County Commissioner James King, Republicrat or Democrat or just a person that needs to be elected back to the citizenry. And what he's doing there is ranting in a Delaware County Commissioner's meeting about a post that former reporter Larry Riley wrote and then a live Facebook video episode that I did a couple days ago about how he, James King, Commissioner of Delaware County and his two other fellow commissioners, took it upon themselves instead of having the Delaware County Citizens vote to pledge money three fourths of all the annual Delaware County edit money for the next 20 years to the building of a 500 bed jail and basically Delaware County Justice Center, not in downtown Muncie, which is the county seat, but in the southwest portion of Muncie, essentially. Crippling the downtown area When this project is complete And it's not that Something didn't need to happen With the jail I completely understand it And this might have been The right thing But my problem is And I believe Larry's problem here is Is that the commissioners Decided to do this themselves Rather than having The citizens vote on it This is something That the citizens of Delaware County Should have voted on The Delaware County government had the citizens in a massive fiasco with the last jail that was built and opened in 1992. And because of that, and because of being afraid, and because of politics and the need to be liked and reelected, they did what they thought was right. And in doing that, they took this out of the hands of the tax paying citizens of the county. And Larry was right to have a problem with this. I certainly have a problem with it, and so should all of the citizens of Delaware County. Whether or not you agree with this jail project or not, you should have a problem that your elected officials wanted to strip you of being able to make the decision. And then if you try to call them out on it, you have the commissioner going on a rant in an open meeting. Excuse me, pal, but you work for these citizens, and you are allowed to be called on the carpet if a citizen or if somebody wants to call you out about a decision that you've made. Let's listen to clip number 16.
1: There were some comments that was also made, so I, I don't know if these people actually wanted us to raise taxes.
2: No, James. We wanted the citizens to be able to vote whether or not to do this project or not. Not the three of you who believe that you're the kings of the county. No pun. Unintended. We
1: did our due diligence. We did what needed to be
2: done. But yet you fell short on having the citizens make the final decision. Tisk, tisk, shame on you.
1: It's one of those things where social media, people don't get the whole story, they don't understand
2: it. Or do we get the whole story and you're just worried that it's election season for you, Mr. Jimmy King, and you're afraid that the folks aren't going to abide by you making this decision for them. I wish
1: before people would actually write their articles or they go on social media and they post this stuff, do a little research, contact one of them, the commissioners
2: so we can yell at you and try to convince you not to write or say what you're going to say because what research needs to be done what was said that was not correct we said you're building a jail you have pledged three-fourths of the edit money for the county for the next 20 years, every bit of that is accurate. Not to mention the fact that this is going to cripple downtown Muncie. We're not hiding anything. Well, no kidding, you're doing it in plain sight. We
1: do our jobs.
2: Well, now that's debatable because, in my opinion, your job is to represent the citizens that elect you and to do your citizens' wishes, not your own harebrained ideas.
1: For this person to write this article without having everything, was wrong.
2: How dare you James King? How about an elected official acting in a way that takes the decision out of the voting constituents of the community? That sir is wrong. And citizens speaking truth to power is what is correct, right, and needed. But let's be clear here folks, it's not just this issue that I have with Mr. King. There are plenty of other issues. The fact that he's actually a Democrat running as a Republican because he was too afraid to face a Democrat challenger in a primary election back in 2016. So, because of that, he jumped ship to the Republicans. Doesn't mean he's a Republican. Let's be very clear here. He's also the police chief out in Daleville, and I've noticed the town of Daleville has got a lot of neat Looking Toys. They're a big department now. They got a lot of new vehicles. What's going on out there? I just want to be very clear. Mr. King and one of his other fellow commissioners, Sherry Reagan, both Republicans, King you know, Republican in name only, Rhino, are both up for election in this 2020 year. So we're going to be following Mr. King, and we're going to be following his election. I certainly hope somebody files to run against him because the citizens of Delaware County need to be done with James King as a political figure in the Muncie, Delaware County area. Let him go back to Daleville and be the chief of police out there. He can be a big fish in a very small pond and Delaware County citizens will be better off for it. But we'll continue watching King through this 2020 election season. You can count on that. You're listening to Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilberry. We'll be right back.
0: Perception perception is reality reality
2: perception is reality, reality. Alright folks, that's going to do it for this mediocre episode. Episode number 72 of Perception is Reality. I want to thank you for taking some time to be with me this episode during my rundown of the first day of the impeachment as well as some commentary on local politics. It's heating up folks, remember that. Remember to share this episode and to share the podcast as a whole. Word of mouth and social media are vital. You know where people can find us, make sure they know it. Also, make sure you're active, involved, and engaged. God bless, be safe, And we'll talk to you again real soon.
0: You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765 546 Ninety-seven, ninety-six. Till next time. Remember, perception, perception is, is reality. Reality.
3: This has been "Perception Is Reality" with Christopher
2: H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.